Thanks for tuning in to What is the Point? This podcast is tailored for those navigating their 20s and 30s who want to end up somewhere on purpose. We promise to keep the conversation real and honest as we ask ourselves this question. What's the point in all the different facets of our life? It's our desire that you would gain practical handles to these deeper questions we ask ourselves every single day. So with that being said, let's hop into this week's episode of What is the Point? All right, well, welcome to another episode of What is the Point? And, oh, this is a good episode. I can already tell because I'm here with one of my favorite authors. I Author. Oh, wow. We have an author. We have an author here. I guess technically we had two. That's true. Technically. That's true. That's true. I've written several Twitter memoirs, but they have not been published yet. <laughs> Twitter is a publishing um, agency. It, it, okay. Everything's published on Twitter. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You can find us. Don't, don't, don't do a deep dive of J underscore underscore Martz. Don't do that, okay? But I am here with Will. I'm not the author. And Heather. <laughs> also not the author. Not the author. Heather but has I, been published, though. Oh, facts. I do I do have a couple of pages in a book. <laughs> oh. <laughs> is it scores and highlights? Um, no, it is the study that I did my senior year of college on death and dying. Oh. Yeah. I read that. Were that you? was you? I just <laughs> Were you a young kid that went to heaven and then told us about it for eight no, minutes? No, although it probably would have sold more copies if so. <laughs> well, it did. <laughs> it was a hit. I'm sure it was great. It was a great. It, it, it was great. It just wasn't like heaven is for real great. It, <laughs> it's like Heather is for real great. Yeah. I like that. I Death like that. is for real. <laughs> oh, yep. Yep. Bringing us back down. I like it. And uh, the other voice you heard is our Springfield campus pastor, uh, Preston Ulmer. Happy to be here. I was curious what you were going to say. I know. I was it's all over the place. Sorry about that. Yeah, we yeah, we try to make it as awkward as possible. Uh, it's, a little bit of, it's a little pre-show hazing. Yeah. Um, like so we, we try not to talk to Preston when he comes in the studio. We don't say a word he thinks... You don't even know if this is the right place. And then we start the podcast. I don't actually know what we're talking about. Will yeah, came to my office, pulled me in here. That's right. And said, hey, sit down. And we, we're going to talk to you for a second. Absolutely. And it's yeah. going to be great. And it, right. and it is about um, so your sin issue. <laughs> yeah. so we did want to talk about that <laughs> publicly. It's, a, uh, publicly. it's actually yeah. an intervention. <laughs> which one? <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to let you expose which one first. That's oh, right. And then we'll no. But one of the things, if you don't know, Preston, uh, Preston is one of the founders or the founder of the Doubters Club. And at one, tell me a little bit about that, and then I want to get into your book. Doubters Club is where we get um, skeptics. And Christians, and by skeptics, I'm using category of like atheist, agnostic, those kind of people, people who would not consider themselves Christians, and Christians together to have conversations, um, and and they're modeling friendships. So it's not a debate. So anytime someone, I've had people walk in and be like, "This, I'm I'm ready for a good debate today." I'm like, "Oh, you should go to evangel and, and sit in philosophy class, and that's gonna be more fun." But it's where we model friendship and we pursue what is true on any given topic. Okay, and the the topic was voted on by the group before, so it can never meet in a church. Dowers clubs never take place in church. Um, they can take place in coffee shops, bars microbreweries, not churches. They are not, they're clubs. Um, and, and now we have, I think we're at 96 clubs that we've launched around the world. Wow. wow. Um, COVID was a killer to all of us. Mm-hmm. And so um, even retraining some people 
um, and Doubters Club has been really fun. So that's the Doubters Club. And, and oh, and let me tell you this. I'm actually on September 15th, shameless plug. Do on it. September 15th, um, I'll be on the campus of UC Berkeley. Uh, in San Francisco area, we got a lot of listeners well, over there. A lot of listeners. But listen, listen to how cool this is. That they so they have a doubters club out there. The only permanent location in the world of a doubters club is across the street from UC Berkeley. And Josh Harris, who wrote "I Kiss Dating Goodbye," mm. he and I are co-moderating the doubters club on stage for all UC Berkeley to watch. Uh, that's so, awesome. So, um, so somehow I will figure out how to make that available online. Wow. Let me ask a question real quick because I feel like there are enough issues for Christians alone (laughs) to sit in a room and find things to debate about. How do you moderate that with um, people of all different thoughts, all different ideas, all different faiths in a way that doesn't come across arrogant or attacking, but in a curious conversation of understanding? How do you do that? Well, I don't. I'm, I'm not assuming I have the right answer, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I have to model whatever I want them to do, okay? It, so it's like, hey, if I want there to be an argument, and if I want there to be language use, if I want them to cuss as many times as Heather cusses in a day in that Dallas Club meeting, what I can do, if I want that, what I can do is I can do that. If I would like, I mean, it's the cognitive mirroring effect. If I would like them to be curious... I have to genuinely you can't model curiosity without being curious. Mm-hmm. I have to genuinely be curious. And so I, I I assume that my skeptical friends have something to offer me that I don't know. Mm. I assume at a bare minimum a story. Okay? Bare minimum I'm going to learn why the addict is addicted. Mm. Bare minimum. Um and and sometimes I even change my mind on an issue based mm. on the fact that oh, I yeah, I haven't even thought about that or why I believe that. And so that's that's where I think it. That's why training's so important. It's it's why, to this day, I've been told so many times: just put all your training in a video, and people can watch it, and then they can mm. get a certificate, and they buy it for forty nine ninety nine, yeah. right? And I'm like, uh, we'd probably make more money that way, but we wouldn't be able to train. We have told people before: you probably should not start a doubters club, mm. um, but you can attend one to be helpful for you. So that's that to me has been: um, how do you do it? You have to be curious. So if you're like, okay, I'm going to listen so that they'll listen to me, you're missing the point. Mm. If you're like, I don't think I have all the information or I don't think I know the person, all right, you're in, right? That's curiosity sparked. So that's how you do it. What a phenomenal stance. In just in life, mm-hmm. to be curious of somebody else's point of view, somebody else's experience, somebody else's yeah. uh, personalities or um, you know th- things they lean toward phenomenal phenomenal which i feel like is a lot of our hope for this podcast Mm -hmm. is not to give answers and hard stances but ways to be like hey this is maybe be a perspective or a position you could uh take to approach even a topic and then try to 360 it try Mm -hmm. to understand everything you can about it and move from that and so from probably launching those doubter clubs you actually wrote a book Called the Doubters Club. Calls the Doubt. Yes, it's easy to find. It's a great name. <laughs> Thanks. I don't. Thanks. I don't know how you came up with that. If it ain't broke, yeah. if it ain't, <laughs> <laughs> it might be broke. We can't move forward. Well, and I'll tell you this. Let me say one more thing on that. I I think in here's what we do. Uh, we do a lot of things wrong in Christian circles. But one of the weirdest things we do is we don't know how to gather without having an ulterior motive. Mm. It's like every gathering we have is either get people to church, get people saved, mm. right? Yeah. And I'm like. 
people are humans, right? Mm-hmm. Like, gather to have fun. I, the, the first miracle Jesus did was to keep a party going, mm-hmm. right? He's keeping it going. He's like, well, well, we've been doing this for seven days. Let's keep it going. So I, we have to be able to do that. And I, I don't think um, spiritual maturity isn't more knowledge, more knowledge, more knowledge. <laughs> it is when you've learned something, unlearning, relearning. That's mm-hmm. maturity. And I think if you have in your mind, oh, I'm spiritually mature because I know everything there is to know on this issue. <laughs> By the way, no counselor, no doctor, right. no actual practicing profession who's an expert in their field will tell you that's how that they grow. That's mm. how they grow. They don't do it that way. It's not about I've learned everything, I've mastered it. That's called arrogance, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's relearning. It's learning, unlearning, relearning um, is actually how we do it. And so in Christianity, I know that feels scary to people. Mm-hmm. They're like, you're telling me that I should change my mind on whatever issues. And I'm like, maybe. Yeah, mm. <laughs> I don't know what you, I don't know what you come to the table with. Maybe I I think just holding it loose enough to be like, if I did get new information, I would change my mind. That is even a first step, and I love that. And I think yeah. that's you know kind of what you're saying. I think it's a Christian thing. I also think it's just a human thing mm-hmm. to approach a relationship as a transaction. Mm. And yeah. I, I mean, how have you kind of navigated that in your own life where you got to a point? And maybe you've just always been this way. You've always been cool like this, where you're like, I don't have an agenda. I don't have an agenda. I just genuinely, I, I feel like you've always maybe been a curious person. But yeah. how do you how do you point that in such a way where you're curious about somebody else's experiences oh. and stances, and not just how to justify your own? Mm. Okay, so let me tell you, I have not always been curious. Mm. Okay, I used to be. Um, an arrogant, highly conservative, apologetic-driven Christian. Hmm. Um, I, in fact, I remember, think of how judgmental this is. I remember sitting at Applebee's uh, in, I think it was my first year in Bible college, and seeing someone slam down an empty uh, beer glass on the, on the bar, and they said, I'm empty, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Which you're like, yeah. And then when I would preach, I would use that illustration to be like, they didn't know how empty they were. They were more empty than they thought they were. Oh, wow. It wasn't just liquid. It was empty of the spirit. I mean, I, for real, that was me. Wow. I, I'm, I'm so embarrassed to say that. If I were to, I would never be friends with the person I was, what was that, 15 years ago? Mm. Um, and then what happened was I had a, by the grace of God, an incredible crisis of faith. Like, mm. like uh, I, I was actually, I became such a skeptic, I didn't consider myself a Christian at all. Mm. When I came back into Christianity, it was based on the patience of other people, and it was a new kind of Christian. This is actually the only way I know how to be a Christian. So when you say, have you always been curious? No, um, this is the only way I, knew how to, I know how to be a Christian. And I would say, I'm, I'm now so turned off by the other type. Um, maybe I have a agenda against it. Yeah, so I, it's not always been this way. Well, it's been cool to to kind of see the pendulum swing in your life, and I think for mm-hmm. all of us sitting at this table and probably listening, we've all had that same experience where mm-hmm. one, the opposite of unhealthy, still unhealthy. So sure. uh, we've just <laughs> taken one pendulum swing to the other. Well, one of the things I feel like you navigate so well is this uh, balance between faith and skepticism. Mm-hmm. You're, you're right. So you've said, hey, I've been on each extreme of those. And probably now you'd say I land somewhere toward the middle. I probably have a disposition one way or the other. But sure. I know I grew up 
you just got to believe. Mm-hmm. And that was always pray harder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay. And then I'm like, uh, similar to you. I'm like, I don't, I, I, I was very off put by that. And you, you go kind of the other pendulum swing. Yeah. Be like, I don't even know if any of that would make a difference or matter. And yeah. even using some of those words, some of that lingo is, uh, it's fake to me and it doesn't yeah. seem like it was solving anything. And then you kind of meet back in the middle. You have some experiences that shape and change what that looks like. So, I, I mean, I'm curious, how do you balance those two of faith and skepticism, especially when you're talking to somebody that is toward one of those extremes? Hmm. Okay. Well, skept. Okay, let me let me let's talk about skepticism real quick because people listening to this are going to have a lot of different definitions. Educate. Mm-hmm. Oh, so one, you don't have do a definition, you, Heather? Do you listen to this podcast? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love he it. did his hey, research. Words matter. Hey, <laughs> words matter. We might be talking about the same thing, but we're not. Wait, same vocabulary, different dictionary. Okay, totally. So let's talk real quick. Skepticism as a philosophy. Um, I think is there's a group of people who are like there's certain things you can't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think um, that we're not talking about that when we say skepticism. That's not what most people, because that's actually a very humble approach, right? So mm-hmm. there is a, there's a way to be a skeptic of like, okay, there are certain things I can't know, and therefore I'm skeptical, and, um, and, and that would be one camp. Most people aren't that way. When we talk about skepticism, what we're talking about is an extreme amount of doubt in anything, um, in any topic or any suggested reality that's in front of us. Mm. That's what we're talking about. So when people say, when, when March, when you're talking about, okay, the balance between faith and skepticism, um, I'm assuming skepticism is that second one, mm-hmm. that it is saying, okay, I have um, uh, an extreme amount of doubt about Christianity, right? Mm-hmm. Well, um, skeptics are all over the place, Evangelicals are skeptic of woke culture. Mm-hmm. Woke culture are skeptical of evangelicals. <laughs> so it's actually impossible not to be skeptic mm. in that second way. It's impossible because you're going to have a, you're going to doubt the thing that challenges your current world. That's mm. what you're doing. And that's why evangelicals, um, whether someone's listening and they're an evangelical or they're an ex evangelical or they're done with the church, everyone's a skeptic. That's what I'm trying to point out. Everybody is. If I were to get someone that's grown up all their life, they're 65 years old, and they attend the most conservative church in Springfield, Missouri, which might be the most conservative church in the world. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But if they, if they come in and I'm talking to them, they will be a skeptic when it comes to anything that they think is progressive. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that fair? Yeah. Um, and then you do the opposite. You bring someone that's done with the church, and you just bring them into a church. And you bring them here, and, and you say, "Can we do a podcast?" They're going to be a skeptic of everything in the church. Hmm. So it's not a matter of um, when do you go between the two. I think what you're trying to do is you're trying to say, "Okay, is my faith grounded on the right thing?" Because I should be skeptical. Mm-hmm. I should be skeptical that I have of myself. Um, so I'm actually skeptical that Preston Ulmer has all the answers and knows the right things about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, if I get to heaven and God's like, hey, you are 70% there, I would be shocked. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I would be totally shocked. But that's what I'm trying to say yeah. is um, we just learned about uh, someone in our life that uh, what we, we learned about them some information yesterday that totally gives us insight into why they act the way they act. Mm. And then our response was, oh my goodness, how can we help? Mm-hmm. When before it was just frustration, right? Mm. So it, to be skeptical, I'm not trying to be skeptical of other people. I'm trying to be skeptical of myself. I'm trying to allow myself 
to to um, to deconstruct and reconstruct on a continual basis. Uh, and, and let me put it this way: the the new book that I have coming out next year is called Blow It Up. Okay, it, it's the genius behind deconstructing and reconstructing a faith that works. Is it coming out on Fourth of July? No, but it should have. <laughs> absolutely should. Um, That's just good marketing. And, yeah, and, yeah, I know, I know. I, I'll contact. I'll contact the publisher. But this one, so it's on. It's on this. And one of and I did a ton of interviews with people. And one of the things that they said when I'm talking about the word deconstruction, I am talking about like an active, skeptical approach to life. One of the things that they said is they said, you know, it's not just the phases of something's constructed, you deconstruct, you reconstruct, and then you've arrived. Mm. They yes. said, um, it's actually, and I would say this about skepticism. Skepticism is like um, a garden that you're constantly de-weeding, mm. right? It's protecting the most precious thing that's available, mm. and you're trying to see it at all times. So how do I go between the two, faith and skepticism? Number one, I always realize everyone's a skeptic, <laughs> okay? So it just matters. They're skeptical. It just matters what you put in front of them. Mm-hmm. Everyone's a skeptic. Um, and then I go, okay, I should be most skeptical of myself. I think that goes back to what Jesus says, the log in your own eye, you know, like mm-hmm. the whole are you a plank eye type person, that I'm most skeptical of myself, both in practice and belief, and what would change my mind if my mind were to change? Hmm. Oh, I love how you just leveled the playing field right here. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's not a us versus us them. Versus them. Yeah. It's a yeah. we approach. Yep. And just even taking the pressure off uh, this isn't a problem to solve. This is a tension you will consistently manage. Mm-hmm. And managing that tension is honestly where there's probably a lot of joy. Lot, that's the curiosity. That's the that's the journey that we're all, we're all on, and I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, let me say something real quick on that. Is it's You hit on something that I think we bypass. One of the worst things we've done is we've talked about this personal salvation. This person, like this is, this is, it's all, your, your faith is yours. What that does is it immediately creates an us for them approach. I mean, think about how Jesus in the New Testament never talks about this. <laughs> um, when when God's at, or when Jesus asks, "How should we pray?" He says, "Our Father, not my Father." Mm-hmm. Our Father, it's communal. Yeah. Um, our Lord is what Paul uses, except for one time when he says, "My Lord," when talking about Jesus. Mm-hmm. So you see, in the New Testament, it's incredibly communal. Skepticism is actually, the reason I say it's on you, not others, is skepticism is allowing me to participate in the whole because I'm I'm killing the individualistic approach to salvation. Wow. Hmm. Does that make sense? It does. So Never considered. To be <laughs> revolutionary for me, <laughs> yeah, I feel like. Yeah. Actually, yeah. To be biblical here, Christians should be skeptical of themselves because they want to participate in the whole, in our Father, in our Lord, wow. not in my Father and my Lord. That's great. Well, I, I love that you bring that up too, because I think especially in, I mean, right, we're, we're in a lot of young adult circles, right? In this podcast, most of the people that listen to them are, or listen to these episodes are young adults, right? And I think something that I hear a lot from people my age or around my age in terms of doubting Christianity or just doubting faith or doubting Jesus in general is this idea of I I don't want to be a Christian because I know a lot of Christians. Hmm. And I, I feel like I hear that a lot. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and my yeah. that. And myself. Especially lately. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And, right. Especially, you know, when things happen and then you see all these Christians and yeah. ambassadors for God step up and say, no, this is what's right. And and then 
you know, we talk about this a lot, but when that goes against what you feel so deeply and what you know so deeply, that's when it does become personal and it does because the me versus you and like, you know, it's just like, well, we'll never agree. And, you know, I'm, I'm right for sure because I am a Christian, you know? And so I, I see that a lot and it is a hard question to answer. Right. And it is a hard conversation to have when people are like, well, listen, I know a lot of Christians. And so, and there's a whole host of reasons that people doubt, right? But I think that's a big one, at least that I hear a lot in this demographic that we're talking to. So, you know, I guess my question is just like, what would you say to those people who say, I've seen who Christians are, and it's an overgeneralization, right? But Christians are the reason I don't want to be a Christian. What What do you say to those oh. people? Well, first of all, you don't have, my goal is not to get you to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. I'm like, again, I don't know what you're saying when you say Christian. Mm. So obviously you're you're saying something I'm not meaning. Mm. Um, I just want you to consider Jesus. Mm-hmm. And here's the reality. You can do... Uh, Philip Yancey, uh, an author, he said this, God came to earth so you can do with him what you want. So you can deny him or you can choose not to believe him or you can choose to... But my goal isn't to get someone to call themselves a Christian. Mm. Let, let me, let me um, put it in a way that like, feels very uh, personal right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, two weeks ago, as we're talking, I don't know when this podcast comes out, but two weeks ago from when we're talking about this, I took Piper on a ministry trip with me. She's on an electric scooter. Um, she hits a curb, flies off. Mm. Uh, we have to go see a plastic surgeon in Kansas City because gashes in her face. And then she has to, we have to go in two days, uh, no, in about five days to go see him again. Mm. Okay. Um, I, it's, very hard to relive that moment because mm-hmm. I told her to get on the scooter, right? Or that she can get on the scooter. So it's your fault. Got it. That's how mm-hmm. I feel. Yeah, that's yeah. how I feel. And and uh, if the doctor, let's say the doctor said, oh, let's just stip, stitch up her face and let her go, okay? Mm-hmm. And let's say that he wasn't careful, he wasn't precise, he wasn't an expert, he didn't want to give it time, all the things that he's doing now, um, I would rightfully be able to say, I don't trust doctors. <laughs> So let's say for the rest of her life, if if she like didn't have the proper procedures and it made any scarring that would be there worse, hmm. guess what I'm going to do the next time I get in an accident? I'm not going to trust the doctors. Mm-hmm. Guess what story I'm going to tell people? Hmm. Hey, I don't trust surgeons. Hmm. I don't trust doctors. And they're like, yeah, but most of them are really good. Hmm. I'm like, yeah, well, <laughs> that wasn't my experience and it wasn't your kid. So you can tell me all of them are good, and I just got the bad apple. Mm. And so now you translate that to the world, and we're like, yeah, but most churches, or it's supposed to be this way. And they're like, yeah, but that's not my experience. Mm. And so if if you go to a doctor and you get the worst, you get a care that makes it worse, Mm -hmm. are you likely to go back to the doctor? Mm-mm. No. And what's the story you're now telling? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the same thing. So my goal isn't, how do I get you back to church? Um, my goal is like, okay, I need to sit with the pain of what's been done to you. We need to sit with that pain and the scarring that is now forever. We mm-hmm. got to sit with that. And then to say, how can I help? How can I help? Um, and so I think in that way, it makes hopefully makes us realize this is very serious. This is not something we bypass mm-hmm. and that we just give some quick answer. And, and actually, I think we make it worse when we say, yeah, but you haven't tried this. Mm. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, 
Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. There's scars on their face. Mm. So how about we just listen to what they did try and it didn't work. And let's let the healer come in and, and figure out what Jesus is going to do here. I love, I feel like so many times just my general disposition, I want to hop in, I want to fix. I want to hop in and tell them how to rewrite that narrative. I want to mm-hmm. hop in and tell them that's not the only experience. Um, but yeah. I love how you're just like, just be, mm-hmm. <laughs> just be with them. Right. And I'm not even, here's the deal. At the end of the day, Jesus has an, has an agenda. Awesome. That's his agenda. I, I'm going to try not to have an agenda of how to rewrite this narrative for you. And a lot of times we can be like, oh, so the answer is to be with them so that you show them another narrative of how, <laughs> and it's like, whoa, just totally. don't go to the next step. Be, be yeah. present, sit with them and ask. I love that. Ask a question. How can I help? How like, can I help? And as a Christian, what would Jesus want to say? What would he would he be like? Hey, how do I get you to the synagogue this Saturday? Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> have, you, have you heard about this Easter egg thing we're doing? By the <laughs> way, we've got uh, we got at the movies, and we're actually playing we're actually playing a uh, video. So yeah, uh, we're yeah, popcorn, we're popcorn and soda. Too. Well, popcorn and soda. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. At nine a.m. Yep. <laughs> and like and ten fifteen and eleven thirty. <laughs> so so let let me just back to your question, Mart, about skepticism. Does that increase skepticism? For sure, because mm-hmm. now they're like. Can you even connect in real life? Mm. Like, can you do that? And and I I just I'm like, man, if if Christians can't connect in real life, I don't want to call myself Christian. Mm-hmm. Jesus was the most connected, fully human individual that ever walked this planet, and um and he gave some radical answers when people say, "What must I do to be saved?" I'm like, he gave all the answers we don't give, <laughs> um and they're radical, but they were incredibly personal, mm-hmm. right? Not not for the personal salvation purpose, but personal in that he was listening to what was bringing them pain. Hmm. So no. you have f- five eyes in your book. So five or four? Oh no, my five eyes. Five it's five eyes. eyes. It's five, five eyes. Yes. Five okay. Eyes. Eyes. I was like, <laughs> my favorite eyes. Almost like the amount of eyes that Doctor Strange has in the new movie. <laughs> Oof. It's like five guys, but eyes. That's how you remember it. <laughs> yep. That's five how guys. you remember it. There um, we go. What are what are those five eyes like? Could you go? Because I think that goes into what you're saying of like what our response should be and yeah. how we should interact with one another, honestly, but with mm-hmm. the people that we are called to interact with. Yeah. Well, the first one's impression. So, what's their impression of you? Um, the, and that that matter, and you, it actually does work in order here, and I'll explain why in a second. But if your impression, if their impression of you is that you have ulterior motives, mm-hmm. right, or that you're a car salesman, you can smell that from a mile away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't like that with hey, other stud. people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you don't know their name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, stud. Hey, hey, boss, babe. <laughs> hey. Wait, hey, girl. With a multi-level marketing. Hey, yeah. girly. Yeah. I, you can smell the essential oils from a mile away yeah. when that happens. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay, so number one's impression. Okay, what's their impression of you? The impression people have of Jesus was phenomenal. They loved the guy, except for the religious, which should say something about us, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, number two would be intention, is what's the intention that you have in this relationship? Like, do you have ulterior motives? If they never follow Jesus, will you still follow them? Mm. Kind of deal. Lead them, follow them, whatever. You get what I'm saying. The third one is invitation mm-hmm. um, invite them into your life and not not to church mm-hmm. the fourth one is <laughs> initiation how do you initiate conversations that matter and so whether it is like there's I, we just passed out to a bunch of friends the questions for humans cards that a counselor wrote whatever it is just initiate conversations that matter right like 
um, we, we like to ask people, um, like, just ask them, tell me more of your story. Mm-hmm. If they're, uh, I heard this about your story, tell me more about that, okay? Um, and then the fifth one is imitation. How do you imitate Jesus together? How do you do things mm-hmm. that contribute to the world in such a way that they feel like their purpose is being fulfilled and so is yours? Those are the five eyes. Now, how weird it is when we're like, I want to initiate conversations that matter, but they have a terrible impression of me. Mm. Yes, yeah. I can. Yep. We know exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, or how weird it is if I'm like, okay, I'm going to invite them into life, but I have ulterior motives. Mm-hmm. So you're like, who wants to come over for a barbecue? Uh, bait and switch. Bait and switch. <laughs> and then in your prayer, you're like, and Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Anyone, if you would like to squeeze the hand next to you. You know, I'm like, <laughs> and it's a whole gospel yeah. If you're interested, Eyes uh, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to count to three. Don't wait for anybody else. If you're interested, get a hot dog, not a hamburger. Uh, <laughs> Or, Lord, this is like communion tonight. We're just so grateful. <laughs> Whatever you do, do you see, right. it's weird. Right. It's weird. Okay. Um, so those are the five eyes. What, uh, and it's kind of in the same vein, but switching gears, uh, what is your view of Scripture? Huh, I didn't know what, and I didn't know I was going to fill in the blank. No, I didn't know. I didn't know. Okay, little pause there. No, because yeah. I think, because what you do centers around the heart of God. Uh, like all of this, it's all rooted in it. It's all an overflow for you. Um, and so I think when it comes to, I know in my life when there's been times where I've doubted, one of the first things I'm like, oh, the, the word of God is, is this is this is wrong. Mm-hmm. Because I usually have heard it from oh, somebody sure. else or I've heard it uh, misconstrued or taken out of context or whatever. And so um, I don't, I think maybe there's some people out there that doubt the word of God, who are doubting sure, the Bible, who just sure. discard the whole thing. So for you, uh, in your journey and even in your conversations, what what is the Bible to you? And uh, uh, how do you, how, you know, let's leave it open. Well, it's very that. kind for you to think it's an overflow, like my love for God is flowing out of my life at all times. <laughs> very kind, though. Uh, Maybe the, the creation of Doubters Club. That's oh, okay, yeah. 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 Sharing uh, office with you, Preston. I know. I know. Yeah, you know. Well, it's like, know. as my boss, you know. Here's what like, I have to say. <laughs> hey. <laughs> We'll get you a bigger desk next there week. There we go. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> okay, it. so here's um, my view of Scripture. A lot of Scripture I wrestle with. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, there's an old phrase that I truly believe that I believe in the Bible because I believe in Jesus. I don't believe in Jesus because I believe in the Bible. So mm-hmm. let me let me unpack for a second. Um, I believe a man named Jesus did live, um, do miracles, make claims, and then rise from the grave. I believe that happened. I believe that not because I believe in all of Scripture. I believe that because I have personal ways I've gotten there, Mm. Um, because of history, because I do think the Gospels are um, reliable, um, because of experience. It would be foolish to say experience is not included in that. Um, I believe in those things. Now, now I'm like, okay, that's the person I follow. Mm. How did he treat the Old Testament? Well, he seemed to quote it a lot, okay? So now I'm like, okay, now i got to figure that out. i got to wrestle with it. If Jesus didn't quote the Old Testament and he wasn't, like, uh, he wasn't thoroughly rooted in what we'd call the Torah, if he didn't do that, I, I could throw it out, and I'd just be like, I just follow Jesus, I don't believe in the Bible, right? Mm. But he did quote it, and he did believe it. He is the fulfillment of it, all those things. Now, here's what I'd say. The picture we get, the clearest picture of God is not through the Bible. 
It's not from Genesis to Revelation, and then you build this incredible Lego statue of God, and each book is a brick, right? It's not like that. Clearest picture we get of God is in Jesus, right? And in fact, Jesus said, no man has seen me, but if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Mm -hmm. Or no man has seen God, but if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So what I always know is in my confusion and in my doubt, the clearest picture is in Jesus. It's not in a confusing passage, Mm -hmm. okay? Uh, what that does is it allows me to wrestle with the text. And uh, and in fact, I, I will intentionally not say questions I'm wrestling with right now because I don't want to shipwreck mm-hmm. someone's faith who's listening. But I, mm-hmm. but I would encourage them, if you're rooted in the person of God as seen in Jesus Christ, this Jesus-looking God, you, you can weather any storm, right? Like, you, you can do that. If you're like, I, I'm still building a picture of God based on my interpretation of Genesis and Revelation— I don't know if you'll be a Christian in 10 years. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, so I interpret Scripture through the lens of Jesus Christ, which has given me an incredible way to interpret the Old Testament. It's given me an incredible way to interpret even war passages, like in Revelation, when Jesus has come back to earth and he's got blood on his garment and uh, on his robe, and people, you know, a lot of times people are like, because <laughs> he's coming to conquer the world. I'm like, wait, but he has blood on his robe before he enters battle. Mm. So whose blood is this? It's his own. That's how he's been fighting the whole time, is the shedding yeah. of his own blood for the sake of his enemy. It, it just gives a lens. It, it, the Jesus lens, looking at Scripture through the Jesus lens, changes everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I will tell you, my mind is more at peace now. So that's, yeah. how, I, that's how I see Scripture. Love that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I, I just think there's so much to pull from that. And, you know, I love, I think it's so natural to question things that you don't understand and you can't control. Heather's and mind is blown. Yeah. I mean, no, I'm, like, I'm, I'm like, like, let me not speak for the rest I'm of like, the just time. Keep going. <laughs> I, you know, it's like, I don't even know what question I need to T-ball up uh, for I you know. to swing at next time. But uh, I'm like, such, such an important stand, such an important thing to... T- I, I just love I love I love um, I love hearing your heart, Preston. Mm-hmm. And you're obviously just from the way that you talk, you're somebody who has processed. Mm-hmm. You're not coming in guns a blazing about mm-hmm. something that is just a short term passion of yours. It's clearly something that you've sat with, that you've thought with, that you've processed, that you've questioned, that you've uh, seek wide wise counsel in that you've. So I, I love that journey that you you've been on, which kind of I feel like it's spurring me on. I can tell mm-hmm. Heather will uh, will get to share an office with you. So I'm sure you know yeah, he's been, he's been you're on lucky, it, right? So, uh, but I, I, it's just so valuable to me to even be able to sit in a room with you and well, ask thanks. some of these questions and hear uh, hear where you're at on that. Um, to two sides of the coin here. So, mm-hmm. what would you say to the person who is Deconstructing. Now you got my whole like vocabulary change. I don't yeah. want to call it the skeptics. I'm like, oh, we're all skeptics. <laughs> yeah. We can but, keep going uh, and you do part one too. <laughs> but, uh, right. What would you say to the to the doubter of yeah. of the of faith of Jesus or you know the person that is deconstructing? And then what would you say to the person who is very rooted in their faith but mm-hmm. is interacting with people who are deconstructing, mm-hmm. who are battling church hurt, who mm-hmm. are uh, kind of walking that walk? So like both sides of the coin is like, what would you say to those guys? Yeah. So the person who's doubting their faith, mm-hmm. if I'm sitting down and having coffee with them and trying to discuss, like, uh, I, I think. I don't know what the goal would be. You know, I, I'm not trying to get them to think like me. I think I would just wonder, um, what's the thing they're questioning most? Sure. Mm-hmm. And why does that matter? Mm-hmm. 
So if someone were to say, the thing I'm questioning most is someone's view on sexuality. Oh, why does that matter so much to you? Mm. Right? Is it because you have friends? Is it because you're wrestling? Is it because you feel like it's, it's the topic to wrestle with? Is it because, why does that matter so much to you? <laughs> oh, okay. And then to be like, is, is that actually what you're wrestling with? Or are you wrestling with the way you were treated in wow. this mm. scenario? So I would want to get to what's the specific thing, okay? Like if you, if you are, all right, if you taste uh, coffee, okay, if you're a coffee drinker. Yuck. Oh, Yuck. whatever. <laughs> um, or <laughs> sommeliers are the same way, wine drinkers, right, whatever. Mm-hmm. That There's tasting wheels. I mean, I mean, Jesus. Okay, we're talking about Jesus. And right. will. I mean, that's pretty <laughs> okay, there's That's t- more mild. There's tasting. <laughs> in the morning, right? Yeah, yeah. Not in the office. <laughs> but right outside the office. Before the office. <laughs> he's like, it's communion, Preston. I'm like, <laughs> well, then, anyways, okay. <laughs> uh, okay, but here's the deal. There's tasting wheels. And what you're not allowed to say, if you ever talk to a sommelier or coffee, sommelier or coffee ex- expert, whoever, what you're not allowed to say is, ooh, that's smooth. Because mm. they're like, that's not actually a tasting note. Mm. What you can say is that tastes fruity. Okay, what are you trying to say? Is it apricot? Is it dried fruit? Is it? And I know this sounds silly, but hear me out. They're getting so specific with their palate that you can never taste it again without seeing or tasting that. And then mm. you smell it and the aroma comes out. It's amazing. It is actually incredible. So if I'm sitting down with a doubter or a skeptic and they're like, I'm just tired of hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's a big category. Okay, mm-hmm. what are we actually talking about? And they're like, well, I'm, I'm tired of seeing all the headlines. Is there one that really bothered you? No, it just seems like my parents don't care. Mm. And they keep telling me to go to church even though I'm reading this. Mm. Um, and then you're like, ah, I see. Do you feel like you can differentiate from your parents? No, I have to be two different people. Mm. Do you see? We're actually at a whole different topic totally. now. Okay. But it only happened because we got really specific on that tasting wheel. That's what I'd say to the doubter and the skeptic. Let's find the issue. And let's deconstruct it together. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee we're not talking about what we think we're talking about. <laughs> okay. To the Christian, I would say... Have you ever deconstructed? Mm. Like, when's the last time you changed your mind? Mm-hmm. Like, the people you follow. Look, uh, anytime a man says, you've heard it say, but I say unto you, he's blowing it up and reconstructing right there, right? So Jesus was the best deconstructionist, I think, that ever lived. You have Paul, who changed his mind when he encountered the risen Christ on the road to Damascus. You have um, Peter, who has this vision of the blankets and, and the animals, and then God telling him, don't call anything unclean that I've called clean. And he's speaking of Gentiles and Jews being able to come to Christ. You just have mind change mm-hmm. over and over and over again for the sake of the kingdom of God growing. But it hasn't grown in a person's heart before it grows into the world. Mm-hmm. And so my question to the Christian is, when's the last time you changed your mind? When's the last time? And if they're like, oh, well, I, I read this passage and I learned this from a commentary. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> so... That to me, and I'd probably use the same method. I'd probably like get really, really specific on one thing. Nobody's actually deconstructing Christianity. Hmm. Like the volumes of books on that topic, I mean, it's gone all the way from what we can even, I mean, the Gospels would be considered a deconstruction on Jewish culture, right? So nobody's actually deconstructing religion. 
It's always something specific. Wow. <laughs> I, it, it is hard to uh, it's hard to wrap that because I feel like you're hitting a vein that at least I know I'm in. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm trying to navigate and process that while changing my language. I'm building a plane as I'm flying it. I feel like yeah. a little bit, which is an awesome place to be because mm-hmm. I think that there's several young adults who maybe you go through some college years and you're like, I just felt like I was growing so much. And then you get out of college and you're like, I just feel like I'm in a rut and I haven't grown mm-hmm. a lot. I'm, I feel like where you're at, you bring so much direction and thought and intentionality to what a next step might look like Mm -hmm. for us on that spiritual journey, especially if you feel like you're in a rut. There's so many different avenues to explore and unwind. And man, I'm just so thankful for you being on this podcast. And we don't usually talk about show notes, but we will have some in this episode. (laughs) You you dive into the the five eyes um, uh, further. We'll have that in there. Obviously, your book is in there. There's been some other podcasts I know that you've been a part of that kind of unravel this a little bit further where they take things a little bit deeper. So if you're interested in this topic, if this has struck a chord with you, there's lots of avenues that we're going to show in the show notes for them to continue to follow you and uh, to research Doubters Club and whatever Mm -hmm. that looks like. Great. Well, thanks. Thanks Man. for having me. Uh, you're, you can Google Preston Elmer. Yeah. <laughs> Not like cool that is. Like? You can Google <laughs> Preston. Yeah, so or you can't Google me. Hold on. You, you can't Google, Google me. Him, or I could just talk about him <laughs> and paint a picture <laughs> That's in right. your goodness. head. That's uh, right. Right now, and I'm going to try to hit all the notes. Uh, the silky smooth. Oh, beard. the beard. Oh, the smooth, beard. Hey, smooth actually isn't an indicator yeah, of what that right. is. So, what do you mean when you say smooth? I want to say there's probably four different shades. You know what? Color you this. are right. You are I, right. It's beautiful and glorious. Brown, red, gray. Man, unbelievable. Oh. But Preston, it's been an honor having you on this podcast. Thank you. And uh, I'm excited for all the people that, uh, that are going to be taking next steps from this. We'll see you next week. See ya. Bye. Bye.